going on, DJ Nation? Tyler Tambolin here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the John Deere Classic. As usual, when I'm doing the intro, that means there's going to be no Kenny Kim. But I am back in the booth with my guy, Ryan Baroff, the resident fill-in. It's been a minute. Mr. Baroff, what's going on? How are you doing this week? I am good, Tambo. Happy to be here. Got the uh, early DM from Kenny this morning, so happy to fill in. Yeah, for, fourth weekend, right? Must have something to do with that, but he's mm-hmm. not feeling well. Uh, get well soon, Kenny. We love you. We'll all make fun of you still. It's going to be good. Before we get into it, though, I want to remind you guys very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by prizepicks.com. If you haven't yet done so, now is the time. Head over to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MMN. Get yourself 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Bear off. I said it on Twitter, but can't spell Ricky Fowler without relief. And man, what a sigh of relief that was from him on the green. Crazy. Down the stretch, just awesome. I know we had to watch it like back in the day. I know you could stream it to your TV. I get it. Get it. We'll leave that stuff to the side. But reminded me of the RBC Heritage Classic with the uh, I think it was Satoshi Kodaira and was it Siwoo in the yeah, playoff, Siwoo. and we had to all listen mm-hmm. to it on like PGA Tour radio. This was very similar to that. Almost added on the phone, up on the screen. It stopped working on this feed, brought it back. But in the end, Ricky looking like he was down and out, hopping back in, getting the job done in that playoff with Kawa. And with Hadwin, what were your thoughts on the Rocket Mortgage Classic? Yeah, really cool to see him win. Um, I was glad that I was completely uh, buried and dead. Uh, so I could just root for Ricky all day Sunday. I, I pretty much had uh, all the Hideki, all the Finau, a little bit of JT. So that was so that was that pretty quickly. But yeah, I mean, it looked bad for a while. He just, he stalled out. He wasn't playing badly at all. He just stalled out, couldn't make a birdie. He couldn't make a putt. Uh, it seemed like Morikawa pulled ahead and Hadwin was right there, but uh, just absolute nails on the last hole of regulation and then making that birdie putt. So really cool to see um, he's back officially. He'll be part of the Ryder Cup team, obviously. So very good to see. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the call he had there was kind of what it was. It wasn't like, again, people, are, oh, he choked again. It's like he did he three under through nine. It, it was, look, when you're going into round four and Sunday at a course like that, you know you're going to have to score still. You can't just coast to the win. I don't think it was like he was trying to coast to it. It's just not everything was working out, but it was kind of funny in the end. It reminded me almost like a very, like a, the short film version of the players. The players mm-hmm. is he came way from behind. That was kind of Morikawa at this event. Well, I'm talking about Ricky's win at Sawgrass back in the day, but that last hole it was like, he needed every nail shot. And if you remember at the players, remember on 17 and then in the playoff, he kept planning it on 17, exactly what you had to do. It was just the much fast forwarded version of that versus the other guys that had climbed up the board, the Glovers, the Kawas. Uh, Hadwin did his thing in the group with Pendrith and him. Hey, last time we saw Hadwin on an 18th green, he wasn't collecting five, 600K. He was getting tackled. So uh, not the worst Sunday for him, but obviously right there in the mix again. Was there anybody else, like Aberg, I know, got crowned early. Doug Gim won after five holes. We all know how these tournaments work, but some of the board, I mean, Aaron Rye has been playing well lately. He seemingly, when he gets through, finds his way up. Taylor Moore. Back in the mix, Shank, who we're definitely going to be talking about this week. And then, of course, our guy Skyler was on the 600 to 1 each way with Quest, who did his job. Besides, I think he could have made one more birdie to, to lock it up a little sooner. This week, it looks like just a made cut. We'll get him the job done for that special temporary status. But any other takeaways or guys up the board for you coming into this week? No, I, I think you nailed it. Um, Aaron Rye is a very interesting one because I've, I've been pushing for a while that he should be part of that Ryder Cup team. Um, I don't know if if he will be, but, you know, I think there's going to be one or two guys who get on that team who get rewarded for their loyalty on the European tour. Um, of course, one of those is going to be Adrian Moronk. He's for sure the ninth guy on that team. You could see Victor Perez. You could see Alex Noren, who still plays events over there. You know, hasn't been great, but he did pop up for a top 10 last week. But um right behind Moronk at nine like I would have Aaron Rye as the next guy on that team what about Aberg not yet I would take the other guy ADDC has been crushing but uh I don't think either one of them will get on um I would have interest in Patrick Harrington but I I think it'll be Moronk I think it'll be Sepp Straka I think they'll still take Victor Perez and then you know there's going to be somebody who gets hot late will be a part of that team too yeah, and some of these guys, by the way, we're going to talk about for this week when we get into it, guys. You got Lucas Glover climb the board. Obviously, he has a you know boom. I, I, look, the course history he has it, but it's still boom bust. I was saying that to someone the other day. It's like four missed cuts with five other good results, including a win. So it's how, how do you take it away from that and how you use it? And we're going to talk about Jagger for sure. We're going to talk about uh, Quest again. Glover's up there. Uh, Moore, Shank, 
lower all the all these guys lower lower you know the justin guy and, and then yeah you mentioned norm was up there again some of these guys but like you said we'll, we'll have to see i think uh rye might have to win another scottish open here coming up soon if he wants to solidify the spot but don't hate yeah. it i i have a problem i play him every week i play jaeger every week i play sungjae this week decent week in that sense for me but i was with you on the hideki hideki train a little bit of JT, some Finau, same with you there. My guys at the bottom, the the Spawns, the Normans, the Shanks, Jaeger up in the sort of mid-range, those, those guys all kind of did their job for me. It was the rest that didn't. Anything else in the world of golf you want to talk about before we move on? Maybe I'm forgetting something. I, we're not going to talk about the, the document leaks or anything like that on here, but anything else in the world of golf you had on your mind? No, I mean, I am actually excited for the uh, Women's U.S. Open this week. They're at Pebble Beach. They haven't been there in, in forever, so... Yeah, excited for that one. We'll save those to the end. I think you got a couple bets there, right? Too, you always put them out. Yeah. Uh, you'll give your Twitter out again, but uh, you know we're not going to talk about that either. Rates limited everywhere for everybody, so we got to get we got to get those blue check marks flying flying clear out there. We'll see though what everybody gets to. Let's move on. Let's go to the Lister League for this week. And before we give you, I give you the lineup here. Just want to let everybody know again. First of all, thank you for filling it last week. We got back into the mix, filled out the twelve fifty. We got 1250 again for this week. So it's already posted out. You can go to my Twitter at Toe Tag and Tambo. It's out there. $500 to first, 50 bucks to 10th. Last place, or sorry, I guess I should say min cash is about around 17% get paid, gets double your money, 10 bucks. It's a $5 three max, 10% or less rake, right? Sitting right there around that. So just keep that in mind. Check it out. If we do fill these ones up on the run, so I just mentioned Scottish Open, but we've got. This week, the John Deere. Next week, the Scottish Open. If we fill both those at 1250, we're going to 2500 to tie. I, I reminded Kenny of this last time at the US Open when we got to 2000. Our largest ever was 2500. So we are going to get a chance to get back to that. We just need to fill this week and next. Bear off, I'll read you our winner. It is a two time winner. So shout out to Big Easy 952. It's not easy to take this thing down, man. 1,250 entries, three max only. It's very challenging. And got the job done by 0.5. We did. We haven't had one this close in a while. I'll read you the lineup. Went two guys up top. Morikawa, Fowler, then dropped down to, to Norin, and then got three of the higher-end 6K guys in. Norman, Taron, and Sam Ryder. What did you think of the lineup, roster <laughs> construction, everything to go with it? Give me give me what you got. It was unique. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did not see that roster construction. Obviously, hit the nuts at the top with Fowler, Morikawa. I don't know how you got to Alex Noren uh, this week. I guess, well, I think he had course history, actually. I take that back. But he's been terrible. Um, yeah, very unique. But, hey, sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, we'll talk about Callum Taron a little bit more uh, here today as well. I like that guy, man. He went on the – someone called him – someone like, tagged him in the tweet about, can I get the biggest delta? It was either – uh, with Rick Rungood or Justin Ray or someone saying, what's the delta between the, the strokes gain ball striking and the and the strokes lost putting? And he just like, forget the whole stack coming out. He just jumps in and says, well, I tell you this, can't get any worse. So we'll find out what he can do this week. I know we'll talk a, a little bit about him probably in the betting segment, definitely when we get to DFS, but betting, I know a lot of people have similar cards this week. I think you and I have some uh, similarities as well, but just want to say one thing and ask you about this because don't always get a chance to chop it up with you. I love when I do, but we talked about this last week. I talked about it on multiple shows across the space. So like you said, it's unique for sure. But Norman, Taron, Ryder, three guys in the 6K range. I do say this all the time. Like, yes, factually, they're in the 6K range. But obviously, if any of those guys had a seven in front of their name, it wouldn't shock you if they were all 7,000 or 7,100. It's the same thing. Just can't put everyone at the same tag. But this type of lineup, it, to me, two things. One, it got there. It's not calling it out for getting there. Like when a million maker lineup wins and people make fun of it, even though they won a million dollars, we're still looking at process and trying to figure it out. I said, it's really hard to pinpoint these 6k guys, hard to win at DFS anyway, but I'm just saying that makes it to me a little bit more difficult when you're trying to pinpoint three, two to three of them, at least. And I'll give you an example. The guy in second doc underscore holiday Fowler at 10, four Kirk and Hadwin in the 8k range, Aaron Rye, Bez and Gim. So it's one 10K, two 8Ks, three sevens, uh, four guys under 10% in that lineup. And then, or, or sorry, three guys and one guy at 12. So it's pretty close to three guys under three guys under 10, pretty close to four. Point being, that to me still feels like we have more top 20 odds. We have more win equity potentially in that type of field, all that stuff. Again, anybody can get there, but just your thoughts on that roster construction, trying to pinpoint when there's 98 guys in the 6K range. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, in that specific example, like 
what do Norin, Norman, and Ryder do that Bez and Rye don't? And that's that they make birdies. <laughs> they make a lot of birdies. They hit the ball far. And I think, I think that's something to sort of look at. You know, when you speak about the top guys, like obviously Fowler, Morikawa, awesome players, wouldn't call them bombers, wouldn't call them birdie makers, but it doesn't really matter who you take at the top. We just, we just got fucked by playing Hideki and Justin Thomas. Yes. But I think when you get down into the low seven, six Ks, like that's what you want. Like all these guys are pretty much the same uh, in terms of, you know, win equity, cut equity, whatever it is. You want the guys who are going to score uh, those streaks, those birdies, they mean a lot more when you're kind of looking at the six K range. So um, in that sense, I think I could get behind some of those guys. I would never build a team with all three of them. Yeah. And I think one thing you said there that stood out again, like kind of wrapped your, your statement around it was that at least it's targeted. Right. He, I mean, mind you, swung in there with a guy like Alex Norin for safety, maybe <laughs> that, that might make sense. But like you said, at least when he went down low, Norman, Taron, yeah. Ryder, we know what those guys can do. You do know there's a lot of volatility, but that's OK. And again, part of a three max setup here for Big Easy, I'm assuming played the three as a regular in this tournament. So, yeah, I see at least two. Oh, it's got the three in brackets. So it just means the other one didn't yeah. do well enough to show. But the other one came 32nd and it was with Norman, Ryder and Champ. He, he swapped Norin. And he swapped, um, who's the other guy in the first one? Taron. Norman. He swapped Norin and Taron for Cam Champ and Davis Riley. So kind of same thing, right? Bombers who yeah. just make birdies. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think, you know, we can talk about that with this better. field too. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get here. But I think to your point, that one might have been actually the better build mm-hmm. for that field because at least Riley, Champ, Norman, Ryder, all same idea yeah. versus Norin's kind of the safety play there. But again, with Morikawa and Fowler up top is obviously who he felt comfortable with. All right. We can move on. Let's talk about this week. Let's go into the JDC. I think one thing right off the top, Baroff, and I'll let you talk stats, strategy, things you have for the week, but I just think in general, the same betting card is on, you know, at least three of four, three or four of, sorry, of the same guys on almost every betting card, it seems, for the people that we run with and pay attention to. Again, a lot of group think in that perspective, but even the outside ones that you're seeing come in, there's a lot of the same guys, I think, that people are on early. And that, to me, is, you know, just some good betting numbers or some numbers on guys we like and numbers we're seeing. I don't know, but the other side of it with the Shanks at 30 and uh, Denny's, I, I don't even know what Denny is right now, 16 or 14 in some places or something, but we'll get there. But what are you, what, like, what stands out to this event? What are you looking for? What what type of stats, strategy do you have going into something like this? And on a week where it looks like people, if they're doing that in betting, we'll have to think it translates at least a little bit over to DFS, which we'll get into shortly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously it's a shitty field. Uh there's going to be some bad numbers. It doesn't mean that you should bet bad numbers, right? Like Adam Shank, not a good number. Steven Yeager, not a good number, right? Alex Molly, not a good number. But yes, they're fine plays. Um, you obviously have to make a lot of birdies this week. Um, it's it's not the type of place where you're just going to find birdies. So uh, I'm definitely rolling with the guys who are in form, which is basically why everybody has the same card. You look at a guy like Chez, who almost won... Uh, he is hitting his irons far and away better than anybody else in this field. Like, I think that makes a heck of a lot of sense. So um, yeah, people are just going to keep playing their guys. And that comes with a big, big price increase this week. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. And we'll get, we'll get to some of those guys up top, but I think you made some good points there. Obviously going back to that listenerly, you could talk about it from that angle where we, we just mentioned it, where you want to target that way and just build it out. I think a lot of people will do that, but I think at the same time, it's just, you know, being cognizant of your overall roster construction. Mayo and I recorded the show a little bit early this week that we usually do on Wednesday because he's off on vacation. And just looking at it from that perspective, we were seeing right away a lot of Henley, Shank, who are the 7K guys, Taryn, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get there when we go through it, but just to note, you don't have to go completely off the board on every guy. There's certainly guys in this field that you could feel good about and just jam them in if if you want to take our guy, Big Easy 952, who again, we will see in the four-man this week. Kenny will still be in it. We'll get Bear off in, Big Easy. And then he's also in the Tournament of Champions, of course. But if you want to build that approach, you can definitely get away with it again this week. It's just, do you pinpoint the right guys and are the guys up top the ones that get through? Because that is the other thing too, Bear off. And I talked about this last week, was it was almost like it was reminiscent of the Bryson year last mm-hmm. year, where when Bryson and I think it was Bryson and Wolf maybe one more were the only like two of 13 guys or three of 13 guys at the top that actually even got through and made the cut last week, a little more made the cut, but of guys that mattered up top, Fowler, Morikawa, who else? Anybody? I, I actually don't even think Keegan 9,200 got a T 21. Like there, yeah. there was not many guys 
from up in that range that ended up being needed, required, near the top, anything. And that's because of these birdie fests. And we know that going in. So just keep that in mind when you're building out. So anything extra you want to add there before we get into these tiers? No. And I I think obviously this is a, you know, it's an iron course. It's a wedge fest. You do need some long irons as well, but essentially, you know, you're looking at that hundred, 150 yard range. Um, It's why Steve Stricker has done well here. It's why Zach Johnson's done well here. Right. That's, that's kind of what you're going for. Yeah, I agree. So let's hop in. We'll get into the top here. The big conversation is going to be right out of the gates. Denny McCarthy, uh, the max price we've, uh, well, he's the max price for this tournament that they've got 10, six, I don't know if we've ever seen Denny this high. We've definitely seen him in the nines for sure. But argument to be had here, you know, a couple different ways. One is obviously guys having a a season like no other. I think not as many people understand how good this season actually is. I'm sure you've got some takes. I've got some takes. I even got some reverse course from this (laughs) morning after just trying to look into stuff a little bit more and having even more time to dig in already. That's kind of the fun of doing this. You can actually dig in a little bit deeper. But we got Henley up there who looks like from the stats – the best play based on just everything, like you said, we'd be looking at and coming in and form and all that. Aberg, not sure many will go there and paying up for him after uh, sort of how he trickled out over the weekend last week. But you could be, you know, argue that maybe this is a better, uh, not course wise, I don't think it is anyway, but it, you could argue it's a better spot to hop in when less people are on him and sort of maybe down a little bit on him at that price. And then Cam Young, what, do you think he was even playing this event before the season's gone the way that it has? Or, or what do you what do you think about this setup? So Cam Young up to McCarthy, talk me through this range. Yeah, it's an interesting range. You know, I, I think um, I have a feeling Aberg is going to be exceptionally low on this week. Uh, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm going to say it's, it's probably right. You know, I think he's certainly overpriced from what he is. So um, I think everyone's going to have the same build here. They're going to choose one of Denny and Henley. Then they're going to grab, you know, Eric Cole or Adam Shank. That That's just kind of where it goes. So uh, if you're having trouble choosing between Denny and Henley, um, my recommendation would be why not both? Uh, <laughs> I think it would make you a little more unique. Um, you still don't even need to dive into the sixes, like maybe grab one guy there, but there's plenty of value in the seven that we'll talk about. So um, I see the argument for both. Again, I'm just going to go with Denny because um, I like the form a little bit better uh, when it comes to a birdie fest. I want the better putter. And um, I was looking back at kind of his run last summer, uh, right around this time, which was fifth at Memorial, seventh at the U.S. Open, and then finished sixth at the Deer, nearly identical to what he's doing right now, right? He had the second at at the Memorial, 20th at the U.S. Open, T7 at the Travelers. And even statistically, like his putter was on fire. He was doing everything well. It's exactly the same now, but he's just like a tier higher. So um, I think he should be the clear favorite um, in this field, and and I'm leaning heavily on him over Russell Henley this week. Okay. Any any thoughts on Cam Young at the bottom there, and then I'll I'll give my thoughts. No, you know I, I thought about it because there are some things that I think make sense for Cam Young here. Um, I still I can't overlook the form. I can't overlook the fact that he does not hit enough fairways right now. Not a good iron player. Not putting like. I just don't see it. Um, and he's still going to be like 10 to 12% on and not like you're getting him at like 4%. So. Yeah. And one of the things was like, just looking back again, it's, you know, the thought process was a little bit on him and then I'll go from the bottom up here, I guess, but that if you could get him on an easier course, you know, the U S open, the Memorial, the PGA championship, the Wells Fargo heritage masters, all these ones that he's played. Could you get that effect of what JT had back at the travelers? But then the argument would be, well, he didn't have it at the travelers himself. He came 60th, could not find a putter, anything like that that you could find. So definitely don't hate your thought there. I mean, he's he's interesting at 10K because I think, again, but I guess what's your thoughts between him and Aberg? If you had to pick one, who would you take? I would take him for sure. Uh, and like, yeah, I mean, and like the data golf rankings, you know, they're not the be all end all. I think they aggregate a lot of really good stuff there. And I mean, if you're just looking at that, like they have Henley 14, they have McCarthy 15 and they have Cam Young at 40. Uh, and obviously it's a good buy low spot and he's going to be half to a third of the ownership, but I just don't see anything from him right now. Yeah. And so here's my reverse course from this morning. So when Mayo and I talked and looked at this and we went into the Denny McCarthy thoughts, I look Henley lines up perfectly. Like again, you go look at any of the stats or anything like you're, you're coming in, even on easier courses, all that stuff. You just talked about the rankings, all these things, he's still going to show up. So he's going to get owned this week. He's going to get played. That's fine. For good reason. I mean, look at his history here is solid. Going back 11th, second, 27th. You look at the run that he's coming in on, all top 20s now 
the strength of field. And this is one thing I've talked about forever. And I think that's where the reverse course comes from because I wasn't really as high on McCarthy and looking back at the rounds he's played on easier courses weren't very good. But then when you dig in and that's the fun in fantasy national, being able to go back and actually see where are these rounds from? Well, not many from this year because all the guys been doing is playing designated events or, or sorry. Yeah. Designated events, elevated fields, whatever you want to call them and, and going through those and majors and doing very well. And then the idea I thought of, I know you were talking on Twitter with somebody today saying it's just a name and it's so true. Remove the name. If some of these other guys were in this field and this price, wouldn't you be good with them? You would be because some of those names were pretty strong compared to what we're about to get into in this nine K range, let alone Henley, Aberg and young who we just talked about. And then the second point would be forget which event this was most recently. You may remember, have a better memory than me. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton was on a run of playing such strong events and absolutely crushing it, even at the best of best events. And then what was the Canadian Open? I think, yeah, I think it was Canadian Open. And he gets in a much weaker field than what he'd been playing in. And he had that putt on 18. He, he was right in the mix. It was an incredible yeah. round down the stretch, but it wasn't just that round. It was all week. It was getting into that. So you had to just take all those strong field events and say he was doing it at way tougher courses against way better talent. And now he gets in, come in and there is some course to this one where you could say, okay, but the field gets mitigated a little bit like last week where you see where some of these guys, and that was Mayo's point is down the board. We have a lot of other quote unquote, Denny McCarthy's that can do what he does skill set wise. But to your point, and if the rankings and just from generalities around playing in those stronger fields, stronger, uh, tougher courses, just take him for what he's worth and maybe don't overthink it. So kind of the, how I'm putting it together, just as the day goes on and digging a little bit deeper, McCarthy, Henley, young for tournaments, Aberg, even at the lower ownership, it's just tough. Like you said, I thought the the stuff Mayo was saying on him today too, just about the course setup, maybe not the, you know, the same or better. Like, again, it takes more away from a guy like him who's super powerful in the sense of the 360, 380 range straight off the tee versus, you know, not that that's not helpful everywhere, but at this course, like you said, it's going to come down to these wedges. The, the guys like Ches Reeve and stuff that are going to be in the mix can take away from that. And they even did just this past weekend. We saw it when it played out over four days, anything else, uh, off of that or that you want to mention up in the top range before we go on nope let's do it all right let's move on let's go hadwin down to jt posted so jt posted i believe one here last year right yes and uh grillo well he came in second and uh recently <laughs> won himself so go ahead yeah this is a it's a very interesting range uh obviously a lot of ownership is going to go to adam shank probably rightfully so uh, a lot of ownership is going to go to Eric Cole, uh, also probably rightly so. So I think, you know, if you wanted to get unique here, there are a couple of guys um, who I think, if you look at long-term form, probably better than the rest. Uh, and that's Keith Mitchell and Chris Kirk. Uh, Kirk seems to be slowly coming out of a slump a little bit. Uh, the Irons have been really good the last two weeks. Don't know what's going on with Keith Mitchell. He forgot how to hit Irons. Um but he drives it so well and he can get hot with the putter that like, if he finds it, you could see Keith Mitchell winning. Like he's got that kind of upside. Um, and he's probably going to be 5% owned this week versus Cole and Shane, who are going to be 20. Um, and so for GPPs, I would go with those two this week. Yeah. Once the squeeze conversation comes out, because obviously he's literally right between Cole and Shank, I do think he'll get a little bit of steam, but it won't be enough to matter. And to your point, you just got to play, the guys you want to play in this range. So I think he's yeah. still interesting. I did see a little crossover and I know this is the hardest part because, you know, you see Hadwin losing the playoff last week and then come through at almost 10 K 9,800. Yeah. But again, I think you could make that same argument for him being above. And then what about these guys at the bottom? It seems like no one's going to Grillo. I, I thought Grillo would still get some love just because his recent form and how he did here last year, but obviously power, Posting surprisingly off the win may, may get yep. nothing, but what about those guys at the bottom? And then did you think about anything on Taylor Moore off of last week? Yeah, um, I'm not a big Taylor Moore guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to wait because he, he really hasn't been good. Like he was, of course, pretty good last week, but it's been a while since he played well. Yeah. I am in on Grio for sure. Uh, just he's just playing awesome. Uh, I don't really think you have to overthink it. Nobody's going to play power in Poston because. They're going to go to Smalley and Jaeger, which we'll get to next. So, um, yeah, they're definitely going to be very low owned. But for me, um, it's it's Cole, um, it's Cole and Brio mostly. Uh, but if I want to get unique, it's going to be Mitchell and Kirk. 
Yeah, and last one, because we're going to talk about the same guys. So instead of me just saying the same stuff you're saying on these ones, my, I guess, like, the, and the tournament pivots and everything that goes with that, I guess another question I would have, uh, one that we talked about this morning, Mayo and I, about roster construction. Mm-hmm. If people don't go Henley and McCarthy, because first of all, like, even one of them, I know what you were saying earlier, take both. Funny enough, they're the same price as Fowler and Morikawa last week, 10-6, 10-4. So you could literally build the big easy 9-5-2 lineup if you find the birdie makers yep. down low. Not the worst idea, I guess. It worked last week, but just in general, if you didn't pick one of them, which is definitely going to be more prevalent, someone's going to take one of those guys, mm-hmm. one of Cole Shank. What do you do if you just start in the 9K range? What what, what are your thoughts here as a, a way to, like, do you go Cole or Shank with two of Kirk, Grillo, Power? Or, or, or how do you look at that range? Or sorry, Mitchell, Kirk, yeah. and Grillo? I would, I would, pro- yeah, if I was building three from that range, um, I would take my two favorites, which are Cole and Grillo. Uh, I would not put Shank on that team. So I would say either Kirk or Mitchell for that third spot. Yeah. Yeah. I like that if you're going with three and then if you have a two, you could get away with it as well. And I do think you did make a case. I think then you would want to put, uh, look, you can put it. It's anything can happen. It's, it's DFS golf. But if you put Cole and Shank, if people do just pick two again, I think that's the combo they go with. So maybe it is your, you know, your Mitchell and Grillo or, or your Cole and Kirk or something like that. I, I wouldn't yeah. hate that. And then you'd still be able to pick up. One of these. Next you just guys. have to. You just have to not put them with Ches and Dylan Wu. Correct. Yeah. When we get down there, even <laughs> others, I think there's uh yeah. there's more than just that, but definitely those guys for sure. Let's move on. Let's go to this 8K range. You talked mm-hmm. about it. The the most popular guys are right at the top. Smalley, Jaeger. Yep. Don't think people go back to Benny Ann. He was popular last week though. Straka let people down over the weekend. Bez, you could talk about if you like. Like who do you like in this range? I will note quickly before you go. As of now, at least, and I don't think it's coming. Rogers, Patrick Rogers did not WD. He says out, or at least he did um, an hour ago or two hours ago when I was looking on the DK app. That yeah. was from a previous WD. So he, he's not currently WD'd from this event. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't love the range. Um, I think the best player here is Steven Yeager. I'm not going to say play because he could be 24% owned and <laughs> not could play at all. But uh, he rates out the best for me in this range. Um, I do like Alex Smalley a bit. I was also super high and bet struck out last week. So I'm not just going to give up quite yet. I mean, beyond that, not a lot of interest. I would really, I would jump down to Gim at flat AK. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense. He's played well in, in this part of the country. Um, the irons are really good. He's making a lot of birdies. So I would skip over that Bez, Monty, Piraj, Taylor, Kuchar group. Yeah, P. P. Raj was uh, was interesting again because he has that next to his name. We'll see how mm-hmm. that shakes out as the week goes on. And I'm with you up there. The one thing I was having this conversation in our Discord today over at Ship It Nation, somebody asked about Jaeger, and I liked him right out of the gate because I think it was just like two weeks ago we were betting him at P. I wasn't. Well, others were betting fifty to one, and I didn't like it that week because the event of how it was set up. Like again, it was a much stronger field. I think at least than this. He's at 40. I know it's not the best number, like you said earlier on, when you've got Shank at 33, all that. But I did have one thought on him as the um, John Rathouse, the guy that talked about it on Twitter last week about how Ricky has, um, with his new caddy, it's actually mm-hmm. Lashley's old caddy when he won the Rocket Mortgage. I like this little tidbit that he'd brought out. And then he said for this one, he was on with Jagger last year and Jagger just couldn't make any putts. And that's when he started working on his timing drills. He definitely started making putts this week, especially on Sunday. He made a lot. He was nine under bogey free with a streak that also had an Eagle in it and, and everything into the mix, uh, you know, but 40 to one taking it there. And then if he gets to 20, 25% range on DK, do you have any thoughts around that? Like sometimes betting a guy and then not playing him in DFS, just because you like the number, then you see that he gets way too popular for a range you're not really in love with, or your roster construction may not fit it as well. For someone like him specifically, I would rather play him, I think, because yeah, yeah. he's got the birdie-making upside. Uh, he shot, what, nine under on Sunday again? Yep. Um, I would probably rather do that because he really hasn't shown the win equity. I think he has, like, one top five ever um, on the PGA Tour. So, um, yeah, I like the birdie-making upside. It, it's it's kind of interesting because he's certainly gotten better this year just – kind of across the board, all categories. He's done the speed training. And I mean, you can see he is bombing the ball right now, which is awesome. Uh, he's putting better of late, but like what you said, in both of his appearances here, he's been just piss poor on the green. So 
that certainly worries me, but uh, I would take some chances for the scoring. Yeah, what was it? The the Emerald Coast mm-hmm. was the W over Lipsky in a playoff, it looks like. So uh, back yep. in the day, that, that was 2021. But the the point is, like you said, that that actually makes sense. So there's some had to ask me about it. That's a good way to look at it as well, where I said sometimes it's the reverse. That's a prime example. He's 8,800. He's yeah. not 10K. He's not Adam Hadwin 9,800 or 10,6 Denny McCarthy, where he's just a little bit over the average price. It may make more sense even what, with the ownership that's going to be there to eat that. Don't yeah. eat it with everything else like we talked about. But if you want to eat him as your ownership and, and use up that for your birdie making and stuff like that, I wouldn't hate it because his 30th place could still score really well. You just you do still need him to make the cut, obviously. But the point being, that's a way to get a little bit different with it. So I don't hate that. I'm with you. I like Smalley a little bit. I don't mind the Rogers call. Like, like you mentioned, you're not as high on him in this range. But just from the perspective of some of the stats and the the easier course, uh, easier field, all that stuff, I could get to him. And then Doug Gim, birdie maker at the bottom. So that, that, that's it for the AK range. So we can move on. This is where it gets a little bit interesting because – the upper 7K range is pretty small this week. It's mm-hmm. actually only 11 guys in the $7,500 to $7,900 range. So let's do yeah. that one quickly. First thoughts there, and then we'll drop down because, again, the lower sevens loaded again. Yeah, I mean, I'll just – my two favorites, I will say, uh, it's probably coming no surprise, Chesri V, number one, and then we're covered. Uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine overlooking what he did uh kind of the last couple of weeks he's been on a really good run overall um one missed cut up in Detroit where he just lost the ball striking is no problem even the missed cut at Travelers he gained like three strokes approach and like a stroke putting not too worried about that so um I like the flop like there but I'm I'm all in Chez this week as as many people are yeah Chez is solid what do you think he's gonna be owned in in DFS so, you know, people don't like to play chess. Um, I would say in the big one, he will be 15%. Fair, fair range anyway. Like, again, I, I think that's like, again, where he sits. It do, he doesn't look, at least to me right now, based on what I'm seeing around him, as the guy that gets to like 25 or 22 to 25% range or something. Like, I definitely would not see yeah. that at all. So that that would shock me. So just to say where you're at, I think that's pretty good number. Uh, I talked about this today. I definitely think this is an interesting one, the Hubbard conversation like last week everyone's like oh we're getting back on him nobody is uh, people still got on him like to me that's not I always say this it's probably you know my own opinion on it but it's not like the definition of flat leg to me I think flat leg is like maybe this week if nobody's back on him and then he comes through even though it's like flop flop leg whenever yeah. like in, in NFL DFS everyone always like gets off a, a wide receiver gets played at 30 percent he does not catch the touchdowns next week and everyone's like oh everyone's gonna be off him but no everybody's right back on him and you all have the same guy and i remember a couple of years ago with will fuller it took to like week five and then he goes for 58 points but everyone still had him it's like there never was a flop leg because everyone kept playing him so yes it kept happening yeah. eventually but the ownership and that matters so i think that's one point on him Did, what about these two i was gonna ask well i guess there's two i really wanted to ask you about one i think could be popular uh ryan palmer Seems like he'll be pretty popular. He pops in the stat sheets. He pops on the projection sites, the numbers. You know, last week, we're pretty solid. There's people playing him in showdown quite a bit. So Ryan Palmer was one. And then Sargent at 7,500. Just your thoughts on him, because people were playing him last week as well. But similar setup, I think, right? As what we were talking about earlier with Aberg, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would play Sargent before Aberg. Just he's $3,000 cheaper, and you're getting, you know, pretty comparable player. Um yeah, I mean, Palmer's ball striking has been great of late. He still can't putt at all. Um, and I don't know. He, he just doesn't show the upside. Like, even the last couple of weeks, he played pretty well. He's, like, you know, barely in the top 40. Uh, he doesn't have a single top 10 here, I don't believe, in his career. I just don't think you're getting the upside with Ryan Palmer. It's actually been really bad here. Two missed cuts, 77 and 18th. That's back to 2012. So not much going on for him there. You talked about him coming in. Like, again, it was more of just stats last weekend. But, again, looking at the stats models like Fantasy National, looking at some of the projection sites and stuff early, definitely looks like someone that could get some steam here. So maybe that takes away from Chez. But I think it gets pretty spaced out in here anyway because not many people are playing guys in the 8K range. And this is kind of right where you fall when you do your Henley shank lineups, yeah. you definitely have room to afford somebody up here, even two, like you can go Palmer Hubbard or uh, sorry, Reavy and one of Palmer or Hubbard and get away with it. No problem. And then one other guy I was going to ask you on up here and then we'll move down. 
just early thoughts on these guys. Bo Hostler at 7,600. Anything you want to do with him? Not play him? I don't play him very often. Um, I mean, he fits the bowl. He hits it far enough. He's a pretty good wedge player. Not a good iron player overall, but pretty good wedge player, pretty good putter. Uh, I just, I, I haven't seen anything from him this year at all. Um, I would rather play Dylan Wu. I, I obviously think he's going to be pretty popular. Um, but, but yeah, no hustler for me. Okay. Wu is another one that's definitely makes sense. And here you talked about him earlier again. Yeah. Don't know how popular everybody can get in this range when there's so many options and we're about to get there now. Actually, we'll go there right away, but just, you know, Peter quest 7,400, <laughs> not sure how many go back to the well on him, but just going down, it looks like to me right now, there is about 30 guys, 30 guys exact as of right now, see where the Monday queues come in, but I'd imagine they'll be in the six K range from the names. I saw uh, low six Ks that is. So just going here quest down to, the seven K range where there's, you know, six, seven guys, maybe eight guys there. What, what are some of the guys in the lower sevens that stand out for you? I mean, I have no issue playing quest uh, because he's done it in more than one event. Obviously last week was his best, but he's had a couple other starts where he played well. He's obviously Monday queued multiple times. Like you've got to be in form and able to go really low, which you yeah. certainly need here. Um, he's exceptionally motivated to make this cut so he can get his special temporary membership. Uh, I think he pretty much just needs to make the cut. Um, but no, for me, I mean, number one for me here is going to be Calum Taron. I think, again, pretty popular, played really well here last year. Uh, ball striking has been really good the last couple of weeks, and he seems to be trending up. He had a 43rd, a 33rd, 29th. Like, he's for sure a very good top 20, top 15 candidate this week. Um, there's been a little buzz about Lucas Glover. I could definitely see that. Um especially like it as a pivot off of Carson Young. Carson Young's again, one of those guys who's just been perennially overowned because he's a cut maker, right? He's just consistently making cuts, but there's just no upside there. Like I would much rather take the boomer bust upside with Lucas Glover uh, than playing Carson Young again. And then the third guy that I'll mention here, uh, he has shown a little bit of something. Zach Johnson. When we started this gig, uh, he would have been $11,000 at this golf course. Yes. He's obviously not that player anymore, but he's been making cuts. You know, he's been multiple weeks where he shot four rounds in the 60s. Um, I would take him for a top 25 right now. And at 7,100, you know, he has more upside than that. So again, uh, he might be 8%, 7% owned, but I would definitely have Zach Johnson in the pool this week. And this is the problem with this range. I mean, it's not even a, you can't hate on the call because of his course history here in the past, even the years, you know, previous to last year, even when it wasn't the first, second, 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 third fifths that we, we were used to, yeah. you still saw 16, 34, 37. Like he was still popping up and doing plenty for a $7,100 price tag. You talked about it as of late. I think it was uh, two weeks ago. At Travelers, uh, he played well. Yeah. Travelers, 29th. That's what it was. And then there was one round this past week, and I believe he played really well in two that got some, sparked some showdown interest. So again, he he's... He's there with what he has, and now maybe back on a course that he's comfortable on, not just the course history bit, as much as he's finding a little something and does that translate and get brought over at 7,100. I don't know, but I will say this. I don't think many people get there because getting some Hadley buzz, getting some, <laughs> some Neesmith love, Akshay can make You talk worries. about guys with no upside. We're just, we're just naming them all, yeah. <laughs> You don't think Neesmith can come through? That's my boy. Neesmith at 7,100. I, I think just always lets me down. Like, yeah, I mean, Chesson Hadley, you know, he's going to shoot one low round and he's going to finish T31. Uh, Matt Neesmith, you know, maybe T56, but probably miscut. He just, he can't putt. He just can't putt. <laughs> he has not been able to putt very well at all. Uh, when he did come through, I mean, 23rd at the PGA Championship, 30th at the Byron Nelson, 35th yeah. at the Wells Fargo, 39th API. Like, he's... He's in the mix, but yeah, if he found a putter, it would be a lot better. That week at the Wells Fargo, man, that looked like the stretch for him to get something done. Wells Fargo, Byron Nelson, yep. championship. He lost almost like three, four strokes at the Wells Fargo with the putter. So that, that hurt him. Yeah. Like I would rather, again, like you're talking about just upside uh, birdie makers, kind of things like that. Like I would rather play a guy like Gary Kigo, like, He's off the map, but you know that when he pops, he can literally win these events, right? So, like, I don't have interest in in uh, Lipsky and Hadley and Neesmith and uh, Strelman and even Akshay. Like, he hasn't been good. So, yeah, it could be Zach Johnson. Why not? 
right. I'll give you that. The, the Higo one is definitely interesting because that usually a guy I limit to somewhere in showdowns and stuff because you're normally not going to get the four he rounds. He bombs it and he can putt, right? Like what else? Yeah. Like what else do you want? Yeah. And if you get the two rounds enough to make the weekend, that's fine. Give me one strong round over the weekend at that price and you're still in great shape. Akshay has been bad, but I will note to your point, if you want to get real up, I mean the real upside, fourth at the Mexico Open, second Puerto Rico, 17th at the Bermuda, like at least in these birdie fests, maybe that's what he needs to get back into the mix of things. It did not work last week, but he could not find a putter. He did not have it around the green. So again, that, that's the volatility you're getting with these guys, but that's kind of the boom bust. Uh, what about my guy, Nick Hardy? I'm not sure yeah. if you saw that today on Twitter. He did the the cameo for one of the uh, SIA does the strokes gain narrative lineups and somebody paid for a cameo. Which, by the way, your Cam Tringali, I, I got to interject here. We'll go to back to Nick Hardy in a second. The story is Nick Hardy read the lineup for strokes gain narrative and it included him. He's from Illinois. He's got three made cuts here in his three tries out, says how much he loves the course. There's the Nick Hardy story. I have to go back to this really quick. And I'm putting this guy on blast right now. I don't care. For your birthday, I bought you a Cam Tringali cameo because you would not put him in your bio as the, as a stand. You have yeah. Poprak and Fitz, right? And those guys came through for you. Then Fitz famously, you know, walked off the course and went to live. But I tried to get him to say, like, oh, thanks for being a big fan. You're my guy. If, why can't you have me in your bio? I want to be a Tringali stan in your bio. I was trying to get him to do all that. He ghosted me on Cameo. They, refund, they refunded me the money. I thought maybe this guy doesn't like the script that I gave him. So I was like, well, that sucks. Can't get this for bear off anymore. You you saw it going around on Twitter. Yeah. Long story short, randomly out of the blue, like a month ago, he comes back to me and replies and says, so sorry, I missed this. I'll do it for free. I'm like, damn, it's just for the bit now. I don't care. So I'm like, that's sweet. Like I, I would have paid again, even I don't care. But this is worse than maybe the Twitter uh, blue checkmark thing. It, you, in order to respond on Cameo, you have to send a private message for, for him is $4. But I was like, now this is much better than the money I paid for the Cameo. So I, was, I paid the four bucks. I said, absolutely. He'll love this. He was so heartbroken that he didn't get his birthday gift. I got him love something it. else instead. I tried to play it out. He did not do it for me again. So forget this, this guy. He did not give it. me this. He got my four bucks. Told that you. Not get refunded. I'm pissed. Told you. Um, yeah, glad he's 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 out of our lives here. Um, I I do like Nick Hardy this week again. I struggle with the upside of you know winning a GPP, but I would 100 percent play him in cash games this week. Yeah, and Taryn's right there. You mentioned Glover yeah. getting some of the love from the past course history. I guess, like you said, Woo obviously is up there. So. Um, two more quick, and then we'll do a quick run of the six Ks. Sam yeah. Stevens, go ahead. I was going to say Sam Ryder, uh, but I don't mind Sam Steve. He seems to have cooled off a little bit. Uh, I think he was sort of overperforming what we saw because he wasn't great on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He was kind of, you know, a middle of the pack, kind of a top 10 guy there, but not really. Um, again, I would play Sam Ryder again for sure. Okay, I was going to check. I thought uh, we might have saw another WD with some of the responses on Twitter, but it's not the case. We'll see what that's about after. Yeah. Uh, and then who was the one last guy? Uh, maybe while I was doing that, I missed. Did you mention Will Gordon quickly? I did Will, not. Will, Will, Will Gordon, birdie maker? Yeah, I, I just don't play him a lot. I don't know why. I think uh, he just has a propensity to blow up a little bit. Um, Even this past year in the year, the scored. irons were good. Now they suck, so I don't know. Yeah, even this past weekend, he scored, but then ended up like T76 or T74 or whatever. Like yeah. He just did not come through in the clutch. Mind you, he was on the winning 555 signature hole lineup. Shout out to my guy. Uh, I think it's Q's Matt 23, but my guy Matt, he got the job done for 100K with no Ricky and with Will Gordon. So congrats to him nice. for winning the 100K. I don't have much else in this range interest there. We talked through it, I think, well enough. Let's go to the 6K range, though. And you could include, uh, you mentioned Sam Ryder at 7K. I'm not sure if there's anybody else there you were interested in. Uh, Justin Lower scored pretty well over the weekend. Again, it was hard to peg him in the 6K range as the guy. Chad Ramey was another guy that we've seen pop up in Birdie Fest that scored pretty well over the weekend. So low sevens with those guys. And then starters with Sig and down the rest of the 6K range. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to be rushing to play these guys. Uh, but uh the two at 69 that I would definitely play would be Grayson Sig and Davis Thompson. Uh, Sig especially has kind of come back of late. He died for a while. 
Uh, ball striking has been good. He just, he makes a lot of sense at, at sort of these sort of shorter courses. Uh, and then Davis Thompson, obviously he hits the ball a mile. Ball striking has been pretty good. He has a lot more upside than anybody else down here for the most part. Um, if you're desperate, I mean, of course, Carl Yuan played really well last week. I don't really expect him to play that well again. So I don't have a lot of interest. Uh, another guy, Troy Merritt played well last week. I don't really have a lot of interest, but one guy who is going to be low owned is uh, William Mao. Wow. I don't even know how to say his name. The guy from uh, the kid from Pepperdine who completely crushed our souls at NCAAs because he played so terribly. Um, yes. <laughs> but he's been playing on uh corn ferry tour been kind of consistently top 25 the last couple of weeks. Um, making a lot of birdies and obviously, you know, we've seen what the other kids do. So uh, you won't be able to play them for 6,600 in these fields very often. So I would take some shots there. Yeah. There's a cat reference in there too. Meow. But the, <laughs> uh, the 40 to one. Yeah. RIP that ticket. That was uh felt like it had some life for a little bit there and then it did not. So yeah, it was, way, horrible. it was horrible. It, it was a bad ending, but that's still good. I, I like that play. I like uh, the idea of going down there. I'm with you on sig i think i should have bet thompson actually is what i think i should have done so i almost did it i almost did it i feel like he's somebody that's playing really well so i kind of like sig thompson in that range uh what what's the wording you just used i was going to make fun of it because you said something that i'll I'll have to tell mayo you like if you're desperate play carl yuan yeah he's (laughs) definitely back in on him so have fun being desperate to our guy mayo but no he's very happy with the result he got from him last week rightfully so so he's he's happy to go back to the well on crazy Carl, as he likes to call him. I like the Billy Madison gifts and gifts that you get out of it, however you want to say it. So um, other than that though, Satoshi was a little mm-hmm. bit back, not going, I don't think I can get there, but he, he was back in round two and round three. He looked pretty solid there. Yeah. Merritt. Did he find something? All I will say is he was dialed in round one through four. Yep. And I said this to Mayo earlier, I'm reusing the bit and the joke because I don't, I don't know if anyone out there has a Troy Merritt flow chart, but I do. And it's been the same forever. It's, is this course easy? Yes. If so, is Troy Merritt cheap? Yes. Play Troy Merritt. Yep. I just don't think he's going to be that popular enough to care. Like, yeah, you could get the four or 5% here, but you either in on him or you're out. There's so many guys you could play. So I get it from that angle. But like I say, if you're going to play these guys in the six gear range, I prefer to take a stand. He would be a guy that I'd be okay fitting into the pool and just getting that seven to 10% where at least if I, at least if I'm right on him, I've got some chances with them and not just grabbing one or 2% of every guy down here just to say I built a lineup with them. That's not how I do it. So um, last week it was Norman and Norlander. Uh, Norlander made the cut, but then did not come through at all. Norman was okay. And and then, you know, 80 something points, not the worst. Uh, Last guy for me, just to ask you the um, Tyler Duncan round one, round two, round three, improved with the irons every single round last week, lost it in round four, but 6,400, not sure if you had any interest in anyone really low in the 6Ks besides uh, our guy that we talked about at 6,600. But Tyler Duncan was one I was thinking about here. He definitely makes sense. Um, I don't know if he's been hurt or what. He's been pretty bad for a while. Um, if you want one that's off the wall down there, who we've seen, who we've seen here before, Kelly Kraft. People don't even know that he just made the last two cuts at Travelers and Rocket Mortgage he, and and was top 40 at both. <laughs> I don't know how. Um, I haven't heard his name in it feels like a couple of years. But uh, yeah, T38 at Travelers, T40 at the Rocket Mortgage, has a top five here at the John Deere before. Uh, just a, you know, really good iron player, um, pretty good putter. He just d- doesn't really do anything else well, but, you know, he's going to be 0.8% owned. So Go ahead and play some Kelly Craft. Yeah, he will not be owned. And surprisingly, you talk about that top five. That's back in the day. I, I'm seeing yeah. 24th here last year. Yeah, this is probably 2016. So yeah, so I mean, like that's even extra added bonus on top because who cares? We're years later, but even last year, 24th, and now coming in off those two top 40s, where again at courses like this, that can sometimes be deceiving in the other way too, where it's like, oh, it's only a 40 that won't kill me. But if they scored well, that that was the thing. Going back to Crazy Carl, two Eagles this past weekend. So even though he fell off on Sunday and did not have a great scoring round, his scoring had already been done for the week during round three, round two, where he had those Eagles. So um, you got to keep an eye on that as well. Don't hate that uh, Kelly craft call there at the bottom. Nobody else for me down here. Is there, is there anybody else you want to mention 
at all that we forgot throughout the whole thing? No. Um, well, I guess one person would be Trey Mellanax. Uh, hasn't been good at all, but we saw what he did last summer. You know, when he's playing well, he is way better than all of these other guys down here. So just the kind of guy who can probably find something. Yeah, and I had him marked and then didn't bring him up with you, but I just was looking um, to go back because what I was what I marked him for originally, I think he was 6,400, was to see uh, he did end up missing the cut last week, right? I think he was had a chance, and then what happened to him here? Round one, he went five under, and then two over round two just to miss the cut. So, uh, yeah, that, that's something that's interesting as well. And Big Easy 952, our listener league winner this week, eat your heart out, baby. You can go right back to these 6K guys. You get Mullinex, you get uh, yep. Kelly Kraft, you get all these guys. You play your two up top with Denny and Henley. And then even though everyone says those are bad plays because they're over-owned up at the top, you've got no worries when you're playing Kelly Kraft and Trey Mullinex with them down at the bottom. So, right. I think that's good. Uh, I was going to try and come up. I know the, the Twitter conversation, I keep getting into it. I don't want to go all the way in, but if you were starting a thread, how would this sound, Baroff? Baroff's building blocks. And we start that up and you put your, your building blocks for the week, your three favorite plays. we got no cash game cornerstones this week. So mm. don't like the thread idea and you don't and probably will never buy Twitter blue. What about <laughs> if you were starting that thread, who would you start it with hypothetically this week? And you could play off Kenny's cash game cornerstones. Who are the three guys you would start your lineups with for this week? Um, yeah, I could just give you chalk, but uh, all right. I, so I'll just give you one from each range. So you can do with these whatever you want. Um, uh, but for me, if I am paying up, I'm paying up for Danny McCarthy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I would say Rio is going to be number two for me. Um I think he's the best player in the 90s right now. I think he's in the best form of the 90s right now. And I don't think he's going to be popular. Doesn't and then the last guy is, and then the last guy is Chez. I, I, I'm having trouble building any teams <laughs> that don't have Chez Revy in it. We're all in on this guy, man. And it's going to be the, uh, the letdown week. And then he's going to come back at the CUDA and get the job done for us. I think he'd show you and I were looking that up on Twitter, like last week or the week before, but I think he did commit to it. Correct. Well, yeah, but I'm, we've got to bet him this week for insurance because if he wins here, he doesn't play the Cuda. He's going to the, the Scottish open and the open championship. So you need the insurance right. money here. <laughs> I got it. So let's do that. Let's talk about some bets. I'll go first just because, uh, you know, you don't have to come up with a million of them. I know you post your card. You can give your Twitter where people can follow you to find all that stuff. And I'll hit you up on those women's bets as well at Pebble this week. And I think you also bet the Himmerland, the, the, the main over there. So uh, for me, I bet a bad number on, well, it's not a bad number. You just called it a bad number. So we'll, we'll say it is, but Jaeger, Jaeger. 40 can't leave that alone. Mind you, I, my card is done because I still had to include him in the each ways for your Got point. It. He doesn't win. Like it just doesn't happen. So Jaeger, yeah. 40, Reevee, 80, Nick Hardy, 80, Neesmith, 90. He's like a gut feel play, Taron 100. And then the one other I have was Ramey at 125, but I think I should have bet Davis Thompson. Same number. I was looking between the two. We'll have to see. Uh, you know, I don't think I got any more room though. So we'll see what that looks like. What do you got for yourself this week? Talk to people and where they can find you on Twitter as well. Yeah, I kept it pretty light this week because I, I did bet Denny McCarthy at 16 to 1. Uh, and then each way on Eric Cole, Chez Revy, and Callum Taron. That's it. No Shank? Did not do Shank, did not do Jaeger, did not do Smalley. So <laughs> yeah, Godspeed to them. <laughs> and your week has been very close lately you've been uh you've been have, having some agonizing weeks sweating these corn fairy tour bets and euro stuff over dp world tour all these ones where you're your guys you you're you're in on early yep. and then you don't stick with them they come back to haunt you a little bit sometimes so maybe this is the week you can get the job done what do you got for the women's this week you you talked about the the bets over there what are you doing with that one yeah so uh there's just some players who continually pop up in majors and I'm just going to keep riding them. So obviously Jin Young Ko, uh, world number one, she's still 14 to one. Like you think about it and like, she's played really well. Uh, she's won at least once, maybe twice this year. Uh, but you think about like the men's game, um, when are the top guys 14 to one? Pretty much never. <laughs> uh, so I took her at the top. And then my favorite bet, probably Yuka Sasso. She is 50 to one. Uh, she is the girl that uh, Sky and Axis and those guys hit at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. She was like 150 to one, 140 to one then. Um, and she just 
she's like the Brooks Kepka. She just shows up in majors. Uh, she loves that style of golf. She was one stroke away from the playoff uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the person who beat her, Ruyang Yin, uh, is my third bet at 33 to one. Uh, she's now won twice in her last handful of starts, including the major two weeks ago. And now she's still 33 to one. Um, yeah, sign me up for that with some places. This is the best part. Like I can just bet this card and feel pretty good about the week. I got a little bit of sweat equity. It's just three women. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. We already talked about Hammerlin. Uh, I did, by the way, end up betting John Axelson. So you should probably do it. Yeah. John Axelson. What was he? A hundred. He's probably down uh, from that now, but yeah, I, yeah, I got one twenty-five, I think, but yeah, with places, you need places for these guys, man. They're all pathetic. <laughs> just, absolutely pathetic. <laughs> Guido last week, you have the places you think you're at least good for those. And then my no dude way. was like, what? Plus seven after 10 holes, nine holes. That was, that was special. T- tough scene. Very hard to do seemingly, but we were cheering him on Saturday night. We were feeling pretty good, but what's funny here, like, um, co like you measure 14 to one, but if someone was just listening to this and said, okay, I'm only going to bet one of them. I like what Bearoff said about that bet. I'm just going to hammer it at yeah. 14 to one or whatever hammer is like a 10 bucks, hundred, but whatever they're betting for their, their bankroll. So I'm just going to hit that bet. They're fine with it. But on weeks yeah. when it's like Scotty 10 to one or something like that, everyone's like, absolutely not. There's no way. I know he's the best, but anything could happen. Da, 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 and they just don't do that. But on something like this, where you don't know, and you just want to sweat, People just hammer down, no problem. Fourteen to yeah, one. It, it's, I mean, it's also, you know, it's a much, much more polarized tour. Like there are like ten to fifteen women probably who can win each week. You get the occasional outsider, but like if you bet one or two of those favorites, like you're gonna have a sweat at some point on Saturday and Sunday. You just are. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. The Sasso call fifty, not the one fifty back then, but fifty still good. I don't have anything else. Did you have uh, any thoughts on one and done? We, that was what I wanted to round it out on. There's seven events left. Yeah. I used Ricky last week. I got into, I think I'm in 325th place. Yep. I have access to Denny, Henley, Cole. Of course, it's seemingly everybody does. Maybe Every shitty Denny. player. Yeah. But, but if you're not at the bottom, like trying to make a huge run, I would not overthink it this week. I would take Denny or Henley. If you want to take Eric Cole, you can, but he's going to be just as popular as them, I imagine. Yeah. Um, That's what like he you said. Get... I had Denny Henley, and then I had yeah. a space, a gap, and I had Cole, question mark, and I think you nailed it. That's how I would think of it. If you were down the board, Mayo and I decided on Cam Young. We're in like 1500th place, so we were like, let's waste him. I, no one's using him <laughs> this week. It's probably a waste anyway, but really, we got to try and play catch up here. You got to think he is talented. It's just he has not yeah. shown it lately to what we want to see. So uh, anybody else from down the board that you could think of that just nobody would be on? No, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know how the ownership shakes out in that, but like, do people play a guy like Ches Reeve in a one and done? Probably not. You, you, yeah, probably not. So like, if you have guys that you bet that you feel really good, about, like I have no issue with that. I remember, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago when we all hit Kim Champ at like 150 to one at the 3M. I used it that week in one and done because I was way behind, had a lot of conviction on it, happened to work out really well, but like, yeah, why not? All these guys are about the same. Honestly, I I definitely think that's a good call. These types of events, you just talk about how on the women's side, it's usually the same people winning the pool being very small. This event for winners could be anybody, right? We have no idea. So if you've got conviction and you're behind in the one and done, I think that's a great strategy. If you're there and in the mix and you have these guys, I don't know what else you'd be saving them for. So why not just hop in, and get the job done with those guys. So Denny, Henley, some of the others up there, if you like Shank, Hadwin, whatever you decide, those are the guys that you could go with. But Denny, Henley, uh, seemingly a tier above. All right, Baroff, I appreciate you as always, man. Before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. And if you don't have Twitter blue, what happens if if you're off Twitter? Where do they go? I was going to say, you probably can't find me. I was, when everything went down a couple of days ago, I was like, I don't even need to tweet because nobody can probably see it. So it was great. Um, but yeah, our bear off 427 on Twitter. Um, we've been doing the Wednesday night spaces. I don't know if we'll do one this week while he was out of town. Uh, the event sucks ass. So probably no spaces, but, uh, hopefully I'll be able to at least read some tweets. Yeah. And Saul doesn't want to give away his picks. Shout out Saul Goodman, my buddy, my three friend. for three. I know three for three in the fantasy golf world. He didn't share a single pick with us, by the way, in our group chat. He didn't even tell me that he had three teams uh, doing well over the weekend. So yeah, he's, he's keeping it tight to the vest. Going to silence right now. Yeah, this is good. He really wants to get to that three uh, M open live. 
<laughs> Saul's not going anywhere here. I don't think so either. All right. Cool. Right on, man. I appreciate it. As always, you guys know where to find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. I have the tidbits up there. As always, Wednesday morning, somewhere in that 8, 9 a.m. Eastern time zone. We'll get you guys set up so you can get those out there. Help me out. Retweet it. Quote, tweet it. Comment. Whatever it is that you can do. It's free to do. It does help support me in that sense. And then, of course, ShipItNation.com. Check that out. Myself and Hoop will be back on the Ship It Nation YouTube channel on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. It's a free show. Breaking it down a little bit further once we have more on ownership, exposures, things like that. The site has everything you need to have success with DFS. That's going to do it for this week, though, guys. For Bear Off, for myself, Toe Tag, and Tambo, let's win some motherfucking money, DGen Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan.